Hello! Welcome to The Word on the Hill with the Lanky Guys. My name is Father Peter Mossop. My name is Scott Powell. And um, for those of you who listened to last week's podcast, realized that um, we used to turn it up to 12 every week, man. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so we, we had a rerun last week, which if you listened to it, you heard the little thing at the beginning. Um, <laughs> but it was an old rerun. It was back from 2014. So what is that, seven years ago now? Yeah, something like that. And it was, I, so I, it was a good, I thought it was a good podcast and I listened to it and I, I did a lot of editing because there were a lot of things like of that moment that we, we were just talking about what was happening in August of 2014. Nobody needed that. But I was, I was having a hard time taking our, our energy level and our volume and our levity and we were just like (laughs) little kids. I'm just like, oh my gosh. This is a lot. You know, one of the most significant <laughs> things that we've done to, to transform the podcast? Mature. Turn our volume down. I, I don't know what. Leave our 30s. Go leave into our, our four. Leave our 30s. No, I, yeah. was, I was just That's thinking it. not drinking a couple of Red Bulls before the podcast. Oh, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, wonder if that was a factor. Yeah. Because like, it was a lot. And it was. Wow. I, I put a disclaimer about this mm. on a previous rerun we had a couple weeks ago. And I. Um, some people, I didn't get criticism, but some people said that was unnecessary. I said, and that particular one, there was even more. It was even crazier than this last <laughs> week. And I was like, just the, and it was, I don't know, it was weeks ago and there was a different time. And I was just like, I think the levity of this podcast doesn't necessarily reflect the times that we're in. And, you know, just, but just know this is, it's a rerun. We were, you know, it's a different time. And uh, I, I, but I felt like I had to put a disclaimer. The fact that I felt like I had to put a disclaimer, <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. Friends, um, we are in the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time. We are, yeah. And our readings this week are coming from. First totally Kings. Got it there. No, come first on. Kings 19, 9, oh, 8, 11 to 13a. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, you got there first. Yeah, that was, you, you won fair and square. Yeah, it was, our, you were not prepared. I was. I just had closed the screen to look at something else. That's what we called not being prepared. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's reasonable. I'm Our responsorial. You. No, you're not. It's true. It's a. It's a oh, rightly so. You. Our responsorial psalm. I love you too. Is from Psalm 85, verses 9, 10, 11 through 12, 13 through 14. The response itself is coming from eight. Okay, our second reading <laughs> is no. Romans chapter nine, verses one through five. One to five. All right. Our gospel is coming from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Um, First Kings. Okay, I got to tell you. Okay. We get this reading of Elijah in the cave. Do we, or are we just really familiar with it because of teaching and experience and all sorts of stuff? Okay, I don't know. You said that, and I can't decide. Maybe I'd have to go look. It comes to my life. I almost feel like we already did this once this summer is what I almost feel like. We've talked about Elijah recently. Well, relatively so. I can't remember if we had this reading or if it was just something about Elijah. Because I'm with you. But I'm just kind of like, I'm like, wow, man, we get a lot of this. This, you know, Elijah in the cave. It's just such a popular story. Elijah's in the cave again yeah like what is it the still stall voice like we yeah. talk about this like a lot i mean it's very but it's very powerful it's very important but i i just started looking back and i was like why is this so intense and i and i looked and like it, i mean it all starts back with ahab yeah it's chapter and, 17 begins right and so a but a ahab he gets anointed king and then he takes jezebel as his wife and as soon as he takes jezebel every and he's, he builds an altar and then he builds a sacred pole 
and like he does all this stuff with with Jezebel to the point of where um, God tells Elijah to go and declare that there's going to be this coming um, drought. Drought. So then he goes, and then we have the famous story of him being fed with the jug, the, the lady and the, her son, and the jug of wine, and it doesn't run dry with the oil. I mean, jug of oil yeah. that it doesn't run yeah. dry, and and then and then we have then we have the next famous one where well he meets Obadiah. Now this is one thing that you need to actually help me understand, Scott. Okay. Because he he encounters Obadiah. Yeah. And Obadiah says to him, uh, "Hey, I've hidden groups of." prophets of the Lord in caves in fifties. And we, and, 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 and which is this weird thing that I've never seen before. And I was like, why did Obadiah, like, okay, so Obadiah is hiding all of these guys in these caves. And this is before, or it's, is it before or after the showdown with all the priests of Baal? Before. It's, it's right before, right? It's right, it's before because, um, yeah. because I think uh, Jezebel started going after the prophets or, or Ahab or something that they were killing the prophets of the Lord. So Obadiah did this, he met him. But then, of course, we see the big showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Yeah, and um, and so then, in the midst of the drought, he pours water, which actually I thought that was really significant. I never really realized that in in the drought he pours water over the like three sacrifice. three times, three if times, I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, it's so much so that it pools up around it. Yeah, which a lot is, of water, which is like offensive to a group of people who are in a drought who are like. He sent Obadiah out to go gather grasses, possibly so the yeah. the, the death to animals would be reduced. Yeah, I mean it was yeah. bad, 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 bad. He uh, he encounters Ahab, goes to Mount Carmel. The rain starts to come because all of the priests of Baal, who have been in, in it, really kind of came in through Jezebel. Come. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like and so then he sends Ahab back, but then he runs in front of Ahab back to the city, which is just weird. And then, and then Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill yeah. you. And if I don't kill you, then let this stuff happen to me. Yeah. At which point then he now does and goes and does, uh, goes to broom tree, says, I just mm-hmm. want to die. Right. This is terrible. Everything stinks. Everything stinks. And then he goes to Mount I'm Mount. alone. God has forgotten me. Every, I'm in a drought that of my own causing. <laughs> no, no, he's not in a well, drought Well, I guess anymore. it's out. It's out now. Yeah, the but drought he was. Done. He was. He was. He goes to the broom tree, but he, yeah. I, but I mean, he, cause, cause like Jezebel's going to kill him. Yeah. He killed all these other people. He's got this heavy weight. There's just so many things. He feels super alone. He's like, he's just like wrecked. Um, and, and yet we know that somewhere in the background, there's these prophets of the Lord that are hiding in caves. Yeah. Show reminding him that he he's not alone, even though he thinks he's alone. He he does have this information that he should have in the back of his head that knows, no, I'm not totally alone. There's more, right? And so so of course then then. But they're almost in quarantine in a certain sense, like they're hiding out. They're they're, they're right. not with him. They're not with him. They're out and like in the midst of some serious hard times, yeah. given by the gift of Obadiah. So now he yeah. goes and he does a pilgrimage to where Horeb, yeah, which right. is which is Mount Sinai, Sinai, yeah into a cave so we're there so, so yeah. that that's the scene that i that i like like when i when i'm looking when i was looking at this reading i was having these really strong reactions towards kind of how a popular culture like the king can ally himself with those things which are not of him in such a way that it uh, that there's a there's a, a fight that that causes some real problems 
And I, I don't know. I mean, I was just looking around and I was experiencing some of like an echo of this time right now that that's that was that I, I was just I was I'm eisegesis. I'm reading on to our own age this experience and this. this I don't think like, it's eisegesis. It's finding it's finding the common threads and finding right. application. Yeah, yeah, we have to be careful. But but Thanks. yeah, I think yeah, it's I mean, rightly yeah, so. Yeah, I just want to say like it's a real interpretation of like taking the the story and applying it to this time as you can hear how easily like how easily like Christians it just feels so so aggressive towards the 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 traditional judeo-christian belief in Jesus Christ and how that affects how you live in the world right now well okay so here's what I'm gonna say about that and again I might get flack for this I, I don't know um, but because I'm with you I actually do see a lot of overtones of what's going on in the world it's it's which again reminds us and it's good to remind ourselves in this time that if if we feel kind of beat up it's always been the way that that's not something right. we shouldn't be shocked oh my gosh christians are suffering and we're we're kind of getting beat up and carrying a cross that's that's what we signed up for that's that's the way the world but i'm um and i'm i'm interpreting here too um and i hope it's nice just i, I don't know but but what I'm, and we actually almost started talking about this before the podcast, and then we agreed to stop talking about it. Um, something we were, we were saying. I'm more interested. So there's, yeah, I'll just say, I'm more interested in Eliza's response to everything that's happening. So what you have here, if, again, if you trace the story, you well, have. Well, the, yeah, that's the back. Like that's that's what I'm looking at, is like I wanted to like his response has all of this context, and we've got to get into this response. No, I think. Well, okay. I okay. Think, I think tell no. Me. No, and I could be wrong, no. and I, I want to give the disclaimer that maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm misreading this or misinterpreting it. Um, but and maybe, well, I'll tell you what I mean in a second. So again, if you follow the, the trajectory, right? So these terrible things are happening, horrible, top-down stuff. The culture is becoming corrupted. You know, Jezebel is bringing all the yeah you know, bad stuff. Well, there's a little bit of God. restoration though, because the, the because now we actually don't have a. I mean, because now the, 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 the drought is it. Well, but I'm taking it all the way back to the drought. So you, so God calls, because I think the drought is pretty crucial for understanding the, the gospel reading. Because what you have is Elijah, what we can't lose sight of, I guess, the culture is corrupt. Culture's gone bad. A lot of, lot of sin, a lot of idolatry, a lot of horrible, horrible stuff taking place. Elijah is called by God as a voice in the wilderness, as one to speak truth to power, as one, you know, a, one of a very few, even though there's more like him who still have faith, called in the midst of this to speak a word of truth. He speaks a word of judgment, that there's punishment coming on the people, which is the drought. But I think it's significant, and I don't want to overlook the fact that Elijah himself suffers at the hands of the very thing that he, the very punishment that comes at his hands in a certain sense. Because right after this, you know, he goes and he suffers in these dry wadis and he can't find water and he's, he, he has real suffering, which means it's not that because Elijah's faithful, he's totally exempt from all the consequences of a society that's gone off the rails, right? Well, I am above all of this and I can have my little, you know, circle the wagons and be fine. No, we all will experience the consequence of a culture that we are a part of because we're not lone individuals. We are part of a society. So well, that's important. Well, and, and you can hear that in his language. Because really you have, you have, 
these two kind of echoes in the the front and back and he responds the same way actually that's why we don't keep going it says why are you here elijah and then the lord says again oh, the obadiah part no no this is in first kings this is oh. in this is in first kings 9 oh when he comes the word the of the lord yeah. came to the him and says why are you yeah. elijah and then he responds and then he says it again and he responds again the same way which is really interesting and i i actually was hoping that you might make help make sense of that to me the what the part that we skip in the reading verse <laughs> the, 10? the verse 10 which is so funny to me why do we skip that because it's softening what i want to, what i want to say S- say I what think. you're going to say um so but again say what you scene. need to so say. he is he's suffering with his people there's a certain solidarity even though he's striving to live a life of holiness he's stuck with solidarity because right and all of us who are trying to live faithful righteous lives trying to stand up for the things that are right we're all going to bear the consequence of living in a society that's broken yes. we're all suffering in different ways um he's he's not exempt from that and that's important but his response to it is faithfulness and he is asking god and he's listening but it's the scene with the priests of baal that always bothers me and this is where i kind of get hung up because his response in that is where i think elijah and again i could be wrong in my interpretation but Elijah strikes me as going off the rails. And this is where I begin to apply it to myself and our times. What does Elijah do in trying to speak truth, in trying to be God's humble messenger? He mocks and makes fun of the pagan idols, of the idolaters. He he mocks the priests. He's like, was your God in the bathroom? Like, where's your God now? What's up now? I guess Jerks. he's taking a nap. He's taking a nap, but he's he's... He's smack talking him. He's mocking, which for a long time I always loved. I was like, "Oh, isn't that hilarious? Isn't that awesome?" But, but if you look at the fruits of it, and then he slaughters all of them. And maybe it's justified. Maybe it's not. And and I, I, that's up for debate, basically on biblical justice in the Old Testament. There's debate, but he comes out of the situation. Of course, there's a price on his head. Of course, Jezebel wants to kill him. He slaughtered all of the priests of her of her people. So he flees. There's a price on his head. Everybody's mad at him. And he thinks like, I've shown them truth. I've demonstrated that God is God. Yes, I've mocked them. Yes, I've yelled at them and made fun of them and then killed a bunch of them. But why don't they see all of them? And in, in a certain sense, and then Elijah comes, that's when God leads him into a deeper interior life on the mountain. But Elijah seems surprised that I've basically used their own tactics and weapons against them. I've used a culture of corruption, and I've used the mockery and the sneering and the sarcasm and the anger and the real drive for violence, and I've used it against them. And somehow it didn't work. Somehow they didn't all come to know God. Somehow they haven't all come humbly to God searching after the truth. And I think part of what my temptation is is to get angry at all the things. There's a real sense of justice. There's a real sense of like, they're out to get us. We should need to stand. We need to fight. But, but there is a sense of, I think a lot of, among a lot of Christians, we want to use the tactics of the enemy to fight the enemy. We want to mock. I want to mock those people out there that I disagree with. I want to make fun of them. I want to hate them. I want to respond with violence to violence. I want to respond with you know vitriol to vitriol. We just got to shut them up. We got to shoot them down. We got to do whatever it is. And what Elijah experiences is that that does not work. And then it's not a coincidence that in his experience coming from that, what, there's an earthquake and there's a storm and there's a fire, all of the loud, noisy, obnoxious things of nature. <laughs> And the Lord is not in those things. But in a certain sense, and again, my interpretation could be wrong. Those three things remind me of Elijah's response to the culture of death that he's in. 
loud, angry, obnoxious. And God says, I'm not that. I am the still small voice. I, I think it's funny almost that this first reading, it almost leaves you hanging. It says there was an earthquake. It says there was wind. It says there was fire. The Lord was not in it. The Lord was not in it. Then there was a tiny whispering sound. Elijah heard it and he hit his face and he went back into the cave. And well, it kind of leaves you hanging. You're like, well, who is it? Who is the voice? Well, well, this, we know. well, this is funny because the Lord word, the same word actually came to him. Yes. It was the exact same word. It says, it says the word of the Lord came to yeah. him. Why are you here, Elijah? Yeah, then yeah, yeah. he went to the entrance and stood at the cave and a voice said to him, why are you here, Elijah? Right. Like, it's, but it's on each end of having experienced something. Right. So it's like, okay, I'm going to ask you again the same question now that you're on the other end of something that I've tried to show you. And I want to see if your answer is different. Mm. Do you know why you're here? It's almost as if God is saying, do you know why you're here? And at the beginning, he's like, I don't understand. I don't know. And that's his response that we skip over in verse 10. He's like, I did everything. I've been very zealous for the Lord. I've, the Israelites, they rejected your covenant. They broke down your altars. I, I put your pro- the prophets to death. I pulled out the sword. I'm the only one left. Don't they understand? Don't they know? God, don't you see me? Don't you understand all the great things that I've done for you? And then he's like, all right, chill out for a little bit, Elijah. Sit in the cave. I'm going to show you a bunch of stuff. Then he comes back and he's like, now do you understand why you're here? And then when, then he responds, I've been jealous for the Lord, for the sons of Israel, forsaken your covenant, throw down your altar, slain your prophets and the sword. And even I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And God, re- he doesn't rebuke him, but he corrects him. He's like, no, you're not the only one left. He doesn't even mention the Obadiah thing. He's like, there's actually 7,000 more like you. And there's a danger. God's reminding Elijah of the danger of being like, I'm it. I'm the only one. It's all on me. Good and evil is hanging in the balance. If I don't put this thing on Instagram today, you know, if I don't say the right thing on Twitter, all of the world is going to crumble. And Jesus is like, no, I'm in charge. But I mean, how often do we do that? We're like, it's all hanging on me and how I respond to this thing in the news or this person is going to talk to me and I disagree. So I got to have the perfect response. And we, at least I, I don't know about you. I act as though everything hangs on what I do. And Elijah seems to think that the whole state of affairs hangs on what he does. And Jesus or God is saying, no, there's 7,000 others. I'm working in the hearts of many people, Elijah. Well, this, this is what's really interesting is that is when you were talking about your, you're saying like, oh, so many people want to rally up and go to arms and go crazy and do these things. And I'm like, well, part of it is, is that sometimes actually the Lord puts that mission in people's hearts. Absolutely right. And, and this is actually, and there's a discernment there. And and what I wanted to like actually respond to how you, what you were saying is to saying like, no, what our job is, is to return to the Lord and ask him what our task is in the midst of it. Right. Not, not to just take it into our own hands and say, this is what I think is supposed to happen. And so I'm going to do it. Which is what it feels like Elijah did to me. And again, I could be wrong. He did that that to you? <laughs> Which no, is, and, yeah, and I don't know, but I mean, I can't imagine. You don't need to make fun of people to to accomplish stuff. That's that's where the answer kind of gives away the story. You're like, you didn't need to mock. Like, that's not Jesus doesn't mock the Pharisees. He plays, you know, word word tricks and things. And I mean, he's 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 subtle and he's cunning as a serpent and innocent as a dove. But he doesn't make fun of sinners. That's right. not, and Jesus is the interpretive key to the entire Old Testament. Everything that we don't understand in the Old Testament is meant to be read through what we do understand of who Jesus is in the New Testament. Right. And so if it seems like Jesus is the kind of Messiah who would go to sinners and mock them, 
and make fun of them and then slaughter all of them out of anger or whatever. Yes, he flips over tables once in a while, but I don't get the impression that Elijah said, Lord, what do you want me to do here? What is my next step? And I don't know, which is why he then calls him out to the wilderness and says, do you know why you're here? Do you know why I've called you? Well, Elijah chose to go to Horeb. He does. Yeah, that's true. Which is is an interesting thing, which is saying he's actually putting himself in a very large mosaic position. Absolutely. I want God to. In the beginning of it. Let's go back to where this all starts. It's the same place, not coincidentally, that Paul goes to when he's thrown to the ground on the road to Damascus. It's believed that when his world is thrown upside down, he doesn't know what to do. He feels totally alone in this. He goes to the same place where the story began to say, okay, God, why? Mm. What am I doing? Right. I think this, I think we, I think we go in and we actually look for the Psalm, which is starts off. I will listen for what God, the Lord has to say. He will surely speak of peace to his people and to his faithful. May they not turn to foolishness. I mean, like, this is interesting because I think that like Elijah wants God to speak a word of peace to him. Why, Why are you here in a certain weird way? The church gives us this hanging, this, this hanging question. Why are you here? Yes, absolutely. Uh, It's almost like in church, it's almost meant to be in that particular moment. Why are you here? Mm. And it's saying, I want to hear the word of peace. I want to hear salvation. Lord, show us your mercy. We repeat in this moment, grant us your salvation. I almost think that like Elijah's grappling, he's like, I've been zealous for the Lord and they're after my life. I've been trying to do what I think is right and good. And the Lord's like, I've got a simple mission, anoint the king and and make a disciple and you're done. And what is he's, what, he's like you you've served me as best you can but now you've got to hand it off bro and and I've actually prepared someone for whom you can hand it to because yeah. you're not as alone as you think you are and right. there's more that I'm raising up and right it's not all on your shoulders Lord says I am like it's really interesting it's like my my dad keeps on saying he's like you know son the Lord is raising a holy people for himself right now who Absolutely. will accomplish his will. He said it is a groundswell of of people who desire to do the full work of God. Right. Right. And uh, and it's so good because he speaks to, to my, 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 this part of my heart where I, man, I guess I read too much news or something like, because I see uh, like there's a there's hard stuff. Yeah. That that I look that, that is not inspiring any hope in me, and it's right. just it's just showing me like how many how many people on either side want to mock every step of the other person Absolutely. and not understand it and Absolutely. not try to actually come to yes. a grip of what's trying to happen. And why do you actually feel that way? I don't agree with what you're doing here, but why would you come to that conclusion? Why yeah. would you feel that? Right. And really trying to to see that. Right. Um. To see you know for yeah I, I keep getting hung up on Elijah. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm reading myself back into Elijah, but I don't know if Elijah is looking for peace, at least prior to that. He was looking for a fight. He was looking for vindication. He was then like, he got a fight. And he got a fight, man. And God's like, but you didn't ask me what I wanted. And, I, and again, I read too much news. And how often do I say, okay, how do you want me to respond to this? And more often than not... <laughs> And I'm thinking of social media, I'm thinking all the news I take in, all the stuff and all the noise. When I ask God, if I have any consciousness of asking God, how do you want me to respond to this particular thing? More often than not is just shut your mouth. You you don't need to add to the cacophony of noise. 
be silent, be quiet, look to me and follow me, pick up your cross and come after me. Yeah. You don't need, I, I, I've, so many of us are so, and I'm, I don't, I don't, this actually isn't one of the things I struggle with. Thanks be to God. I struggle with plenty of other things, but so many of us are so desperate to have a voice. We want a voice on social media. We want people to hear our Twitter. We have something to say, right? And I have to say this thing and I need people to hear it. And Facebook or Instagram or, or Twitter, it's my only outlet. And I have, to, and if I don't say it, then it's not going to be said. And it's, you know, and what God is saying to me in this first reading is, I'm not in all of those fiery, intense words that you want to shout at everybody. I'm in the stillness and the quiet and the small voice, which is to go love your wife and go care for your children. Go take your son and go for a walk with the dog. You know, what do you what do I want you doing right now? I don't necessarily need you to go speak to the government of the United States, Scott. I need you to go love your son and your daughters. But there are some who will hear this who, in the still small voice, they will be called to do exactly that. And if you hear to it in the still small, and if you hear it in the still small voice, that's a great sign it's from God. Right. If you hear it with angry, sarcastic, boisterous words, that's a great sign it's not from God. This is how God has shown us that he works. Oh, it's, it's interesting because like I, I, I'm in a constant battle where like we have a lot of people in our lives who are led by God. We just are around people who yeah. literally their single desire is to hear the voice of the Lord and cooperate. Right. Right. Um, but just because you get a little bit of the voice of the Lord doesn't mean you have carte blanche. And that's the thing that, uh, that when Elijah wins Absolutely. the battle— yeah. He, and he does, and God allows him to have victory. Well, yeah, because he calls upon the Lord, and and the 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 sacrifice is consumed. God did show up, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean that our response to that next after is 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 right. actually the right one. And we yeah. got to keep moving, though, yeah. man. Uh, the only thing I want to say about Psalm eighty five, and you had actually a beautiful response to it. The only thing I want to say about it is that it's believed to put it in context. It's believed that Psalm eighty five might have been a psalm that was written after the return from the exile. So when they'd come out of Babylon and they're resettling Jerusalem and trying to build it back. So during the time of like Nehemiah and Malachi and Haggai, um, when, and there was actually a terrible drought in this time. If you read the book of Haggai, as they're trying to get life back together and settle back in and rebuild the city of God, there is a horrible drought and people are really suffering. And they're like, what the heck? Which reminds us of the drought of the first reading, perhaps. Um, but the thing that I was most taken by in this psalm, it's not a very long psalm. I think we get to the last verse. I think it's only 14 verses. If you divide it up, you can divide it in half. So you have the first seven verses, verse one through seven, and then the second uh, seven verses, eight through 14, the first seven are a request. They're asking God. They're the prayer of, hey, we know you've done all these things. You've, re- But in, even you know the way it's written, uh, you showed your favor, Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sins. Uh, you set aside your wrath. All these things that, that um, if my interpretation is right, that it's, you know, people reflecting on coming out of the exile. You've brought us back. You've built Israel back up, but we're actually still suffering, Lord. And it goes on to say, why are we suffering? Get us out of this. And then the second half of the psalm, which is all that we get here, is no longer the prayer and the question, but it's the response. And it's Israel looking out and saying, Oh, but we we see, we hear what you proclaim. We Mm. hear that you proclaim peace. We know your salvation is near to those who fear you. There's glory in our land, even though there's drought and even though there's suffering. We actually do see because we've asked and we've prayed and we've brought our intercessions 
But now we've tried to hear the response, well, which is the call you, of Elijah. You stop short of a verse that is actually a huge response to internally what the church is asking of us in, in, in Elijah, love and truth will meet. Where is, where is that? 11, verse 11. Oh. It's a psalm. I know it's in the song. Yeah, yeah. Love and truth will meet, justice and, and peace, peace will, will kiss. kiss. Yeah. So this is the thing is that truth yeah, and yeah. justice, oftentimes like we're shouting, we're clamoring truth and right. justice, right. but then right. love and love and peace. And a justice and peace kiss. You want to spend some time racking through discernment, try to figure out what a world looks like that actually has justice and peace, justice and truth and mercy and peace. Uh, what is it? Righteousness, love, and peace. love and truth, love, justice and peace, and and to try to figure out, like in your world, in our politics, in our social situation of unrest, what do all of those things actually look like? How do you have righteousness and truth and justice and mercy and peace all actually working together? And that's going to require, I think, the entirety of Christendom to sit down and go to prayer and say. We don't know if we know what that looks like, so you're going to have to show us, Lord. Well, this is what we get pieces of it. I this, get justice. I get mercy. I get righteousness. Well, this is where Paul's reaction in Romans is yes, so yes, 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 so intense. This is perfect. This is a perfect entrance because because Paul's reaction is saying, "I recognize in the cross of Jesus Christ, in His willingness to take upon Himself these things, because it's not the I want the other." I want the other to take care of this. I want the other to do this. I want the other, the other, the other, the other. It's saying, no, I'm willing, like, like he sees in God willingness to actually accept this to himself in the fruitfulness. Let's talk about the other for a minute. Yeah. Because we got some serious others in this reading behind the scenes. Uh, They're in the background. Ooh. And we've talked about the context of Romans a lot because we've been in this section of the book. Do you remember what the main issue, the main reason that Paul writes the letter to the Romans? Yeah, because you have a you have a Semitic community and a Roman yeah. community of Christians trying yeah. to come together, yeah, and yeah. and the 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 Jewish Christians and the Roman Christians have very opposing cultural realities that are causing massive infighting between yeah, these two. Exactly, and they're both kind of othering each other, so to speak. Mm. And what seems to be, and I'm I'm taking a little bit of this from N.T. Wright. Um, but I think he's correct. Um, what This is where Paul launches into his big speech about, okay, so what about the Jews? Because he just has come from where we've been in the last few weeks in the liturgy of talking about how the world has been transformed. All of creation is groaning out. Remember, waiting for us to act out our identity as sons and daughters of God. And, and sometimes that's so overwhelming that we need the spirit to groan in un, un, unutterable ways on our behalf. Right? We've been going through all this. And then he comes to this. He's like, okay, all that's true. So what about the Jewish people? Because they were the people of the covenant. They were the people who God has established from the beginning. They're the ones that that uh, uh, Elijah is fighting on behalf of. Israel matters. He's staking his whole life on this. I mean, this is the whole Old Testament. And what appears to be happening, and you got to read in between lines, but I think it's there, is you have, so I mean, the, the, what we know is that the Jewish community, the Jewish Christians, Jewish believers who become Christian, were expelled from the city of Rome by the Emperor Claudius for about three or four years. They were kicked out of the city. So when they come back, the church is not a Semitic reality anymore. It's a Gentile reality. And there's a bunch of strife over, well, what does that mean? Wait a second, has God forgotten about us? And now the Gentiles, like, we were happy to let the Gentiles in. That's cool. But now they're in charge and they're like, what's going on? 
And what Paul seems to be getting at here, there's something behind this that, well, there's a whole bunch of Jewish people that rejected the Messiah. And if the, all these Jewish people that rejected the Messiah it means they're cut off from salvation and from the covenant and from being part of God. And you get the impression that there's a whole lot of Gentiles that are perfectly happy with that. And they're like, we are happy to come in and take their place. They didn't want the Messiah. They don't have to have the Messiah. They rejected all this stuff. Fine. We will happily take them and we can forget about them forever. And Paul's like, no, that's, you can't think like that. I get that you guys don't like each other. I get that you don't get along and you have different cultures, but it matters that God became an Israelite because God uses the particular for the sake of the universal. God became a Jew of this particular race, in this particular time, in this particular people, and that mattered. And he had, before that, for the sake of his people, his kindred according to the flesh, they are Israelites. Theirs is the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises, the patriarchs. From them, the Christ came. It matters that, number one, that Jesus was Jewish, and it should matter to you, Paul saying to his audience, why have so many of the family of God not seen him? And you... Gentiles, he's saying in between the lines, I think, are mocking them. You're scoffing at them. You're filled with hatred at them. There were riots in the street about them. That's why the Jews got kicked out of Rome by Claudius. And there's scoffing and there's mocking and there's looking down upon. And the Gentiles are perfectly happy about that. Just like in a certain sense, and again, not to read too much into Elijah, are we perfectly happy that the northern kingdom of Israel has become pagan? And are we willing to go and say, you guys stink. You're in a bunch of sin. I'm going to show you all the ways that you were wrong, and then I will slaughter you. Or are we weeping over the loss of these souls and our family members who we desperately want to come back to us? And Paul is saying, if you're not shedding serious tears over the loss of so many Jewish people who did not accept the Messiah, then you've missed all of it. And if you're sitting on your high horse and you're saying, we're so much better than them, they missed the boat, how dumb were they, how blind were they, who cares about them? Paul says, you've completely missed what Jesus did and the whole story of salvation that led here. You should be weeping and gnashing your teeth that they are not in. You should be asking yourself, why? Why didn't they see and desperately seeking to bring them back into the family? Mm -hmm. And that's where it becomes most convicting to me in all the people and the groups and the political parties and things that I other and I mock and I scoff at and I think are weird or evil or wrong or dumb or blind. And I don't weep over the fact that why don't you see this? How can I show you the value of human life in the womb? Mm. Instead of saying, man, can you believe X person believes that? What a bunch of fools and only an evil idiot would vote for them. Mm. I don't weep over that. Right. I don't weep over Joe Biden enough, right. who expressed a whole lot of very pro-life sentiment for a long time in his life. And for some reason, probably political pressure or whatever else, has really abandoned those principles that he said he really believed that abortion was wrong. He seems to have thrown that away, which I have and people in my life have used it as a political talking point and something against Democrats. And I haven't wept over that. I haven't wept over a human mm. being who somehow lost sight of what is true who's a baptized Catholic, who is my brother in Christ. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And this, so I hear Paul's words and I'm like, no, that's, that's you, Scott. And I don't weep over that. Right. It, it's really, it's interesting. I, for some reason in my mind, I keep coming back to the Hare Krishnas. <laughs> 
I know that it's so... You have this uncanny ability to take these moments and take them in such a different direction than I think you're going to. <laughs> well, because the, the whole thing about, like, like the whole re- the Krishna religion thing is based on two warring armies, mm. and Krishna is the one pleading between the two armies to resolve in peace. That's the that's so 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 really so the the religious aspect of that is to try to say hey hey everybody like let's reconcile and it's beautiful it, it, about that it, it is beautiful yeah. I don't believe in the, the the spiritual content or any of the, the right, stuff right. that that's there but but the, but there's like there's something fundamental that mm. every that, that like cries out yeah. in 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 our culture and in our humanity to say no we are really meant to like. Yeah. actually reconcile and and when mm-hmm. we when when it's it's like the the line in the psalms when i speak that or jesus says this when i speak they are for fighting when yeah. i am for peace they are wanting war <laughs> right. and it's and it's it's yeah. it's where yeah yeah it's where uh, man it, it's so funny as we're talking i like i'm so thankful for for this conversation just because because I, I i just I just see how how deep the roots and tentacles of this of this um, warring spirit have mm-hmm. entered in on in every level. All you have to do is look at your friends on Facebook and yeah. just and you know where you stand. And you and some people you really know where they stand. <laughs> yeah. You may be talking about it, you may not be, but, yeah. but you, you just look around and and I find that everybody mm-hmm. is like weirdly shy about speaking the mm-hmm. truth in to person. one another. In person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're exa- more than happy to do it online. Well, and, the, and this is actually what's hard about this whole quarantine mm-hmm. t- this the whole quarantine is the less you're actually eyeball to eyeball with yeah. somebody the more abstract the other becomes they become an abstraction from what they what they are and they are reducible down to mere ideas all right so i'm going to take what you just said Yo. and i'm going to try to flip it on its head hit me cuz you're right that's true however okay well two things number 1 jesus has called us to be alive in this time you were saying that uh, in our staff meeting yesterday right jesus has created called us. us called but we were created now created yeah. us and called us Though I was in Cleopatra in a former life. We all know that. Let the meat, <laughs> let the meat cake. No, that's... Uh, Marie Curie. Uh, Marie, no one is a scientist. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's uh, Marie matter. Calendars. No, stop it. Stop it. No. <laughs> Little Debbie. Um, okay, 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 okay. Uh, okay, come oh back. Oh, my gosh. T- totally gone. <laughs> okay, 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 got it. So okay. Jesus has called us... God has, has created us and called us to be alive during this time. Yes. Um which is a time of quarantine, time of pandemic, time of whatever, all the, all the stuff, right, that's right. going on. And I, you're right, and there's a real danger of people becoming abstracted as we're virtualized and everything else. But at the same time, God has allowed that and asked us and challenged us with not allowing that to be the case in our lives. Right. Do not abstract. So, but, but what, and I don't know, I don't even know where to go with this, but... This is really the challenge of the gospel. This is what Jesus is doing. And so where we are in the gospel, Jesus has been teaching. He just fed, just had the feeding of the 5,000. After he fed the people, Jesus, <laughs> I love the wording here, made the disciples get on a boat. He's like, get on the boat. I'm going this way. You guys go that way. I'll go this way. Jesus wants some alone time. He needs a little <laughs> bit of time away from these these guys, which Dude, I, don't, you know, I don't blame him. I Man, I got some beach time last <laughs> week, and I will tell you what, I was just flying my kite. 
Did you put everybody else in the boat? Uh, You guys go out there. I'll be over here. Yes, and that's what we called. (laughs) Yes, I did. I I gave the keys to the Broga vicar and said, get on a boat, man. You go that way, I go this way. Which is what he does, but he literally does. And he's like, I'm going out there. I dismissed the crowd. He goes up on the the mountain by himself to pray. And fly kite. Sounds a lot like Elijah who went up on a mountain to Mm. pray, hopefully to listen. Um, So with already overtones here. And then evening came and he was there alone. So he's taking a while. Like he's really getting some time. He wants some time on the mountain, um, which it's beautiful to me. Um, Meanwhile, meanwhile, (laughs) meanwhile, the the boat already a few miles offshore, which is not very far, to be honest with you, was being tossed about by the waves for the wind was against it. There's a huge storm. And this is during the fourth watch of the night, the fourth watch in the the Roman sort of... um, the way of 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 looking at timekeeping timekeeping thank you it's somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. so we're talking middle of the night right it's taken them a long time to be on this boat they haven't made it very far we don't know when they left probably evening now it's like 3 or 6 a.m. the storm is raging they have not gotten very far they're not making progress everything's terrible everything's terrifying because it's scary when you're awake at 3 or 4 a.m. and it's even scarier if there's a huge storm going like this you know there's what i mean no, there's no light this is the worst. And what their challenge is, Jesus knows what he's doing. He did this. He knows what's happening. And Jesus has given them the challenge, to go back to your point, of not allowing him to become abstract. I've put you out there away from me. I'm going to be over here, and you guys need to be over there. We actually need to be apart from each other for a time. And we'll be in physical separation. Do not let me become abstract. You've mm. had experience with me. You know this one. You know how this one ends. And they're in a storm and they're on the sea and they are terrified because their world is getting flipped upside down. We are in a very real way in a storm out at sea at 3 a.m., right? With Jesus totally out of sight. We're like, we know you're there, Lord. We believe, we trust, we hope, but we don't see you. At least well, I don't. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people who don't go to church. I mean, right. like, so I mean, like in a very real, in an actual way, in people so are going many levels. Like, right? like, like they don't. The, the Eucharistic presence of which we are used to, the presence of God in the tabernacle, right. where a lot of people are not engaging. The uh, I'm thinking of, of are, a lot of people are not able to engage. Able to engage I, I, right. We can't rem- We can't right. forget that it's in Colorado. We're, we're very lucky Absolutely here. Absolutely right. But the, like I was in California, and it's not like. There, like there's a lot of churches that were closed, right? Which again, we can we can we can talk about the the powers over those decisions, and we can try to fight, but we can't forget about the fact that people are just called to be in this silence and this quiet, and right. we have to respect that Jesus has actually asked them to be there because this is not there's no power that is over and above Jesus that will thwart him. Right. So we have to acknowledge, no, Lord, it's okay. I don't have to be freaked. Okay, that, that, I'm going down a different path, but. Um, the other thing I want to say, though, it's 3 a.m. or sometime between 3 and 6 a.m., which I'm guessing this storm has been raging for a long time because mm. they only made it a couple miles. Have you ever been backpacking or camping where you're stuck in a storm and it will not end? Oh. And you're like, I can't sleep and I'm wet and it's dripping. And what time is it? It's 2 a.m. It's 3 a.m. It's 4 a.m. It won't stop. That's what these guys are doing, except they're on a boat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Scary enough, like camping. And so I'm just really like that. It, the emotion, again, I'm, this is what I'm applying to our, our own time. The emotion of feeling like, oh my gosh, it's never ending. We're never going to get out of this. Like, when will it end? When will the storm clear? Oh my gosh, this is horrible. We haven't slept. We're tired. We're exhausted. We've fed all these people. And then they see Jesus walking toward them, which 
I know the apostles get a lot of flack for the fear that they feel and they're like, it's a ghost, which is easy to make fun of unless you remember the feeling of being in the middle of the night in a horrible storm, terrified and feeling very alone. Right. And then you see something that is legitimately freaky, which this is where I kind of get a kick out of God again, because Jesus has to know he's going to freak. He didn't have to come to them that way, strolling <laughs> on the storm waves, right? <laughs> he's, he knows human emotions, and they're gonna, he's like, they're totally going to lose their mind. <laughs> they're totally going to freak out, right? And I just I like to hope in a God that has a little fun with that. He's like, this is going to be hilarious. I, I think but, that as he was going, like if there were waves, I think he, like, I think he foot surfed them. <laughs> I hope he did. But here's my question. Okay. And I've never thought about this, and I might be going the wrong direction. Probably. I don't know. I probably am. Why? So we get there. He says, take courage. Be not afraid. Peter said, if it's really you. Bid you to come to me. Why do you think Peter wants to go out on the water with Jesus? Like, like really, if you try to, and I know we can never know a human being's heart who's not our own. But looking at it. At, um, Why would I want to go out on the water? Would you? I mean, you're terrified by a storm. I would want Jesus to come to me. Jesus, come be with us. Sit with us. Help us out of this. He's calmed storms before. We know that. We've seen that in other gospels. So they presumably know that they ha- he has the ability. Why? And I just wonder, and I'm thinking about myself because I don't know what Peter wants, but I'm wondering why would I want to go out of the boat to him? Do you I want to do it in front of everybody else? No. Do I want to show that? Dude, I'll tell you what. I don't, I don't know. I'll tell you what, what I, when I look in my heart. And I look at Jesus in that moment and in my soul's eye, the peace by which Jesus is residing, even in the midst of the wave and the storm, would be so compelling. I hope, yeah, that's it, a better, I, and I don't know the I mean, answer. I'm just th- really thinking about think this Think about question. this. You're, you're in a, you're in a uh, boat with a bunch of people who are losing their minds, who are grumpy, yeah. who are tired, who haven't slept. <laughs> they probably who, smell. They probably smell. They're kind of angry and wet, and you yeah. see somebody on the seas who is the most beautiful, powerful, tremendous man you've ever seen in your yeah. life. And you're like, if it's you bid to me, come to you. Cause I want to, I want to have what you have in the midst of the storm. Yeah. I want to have what you have. I want to be with you because when they're with him, they know, and they see the miraculous and he steps out and, and the winds are so strong. And I'm going to get to a point here. Hmm. The winds are so strong. He sinks. Well, that's not why he sinks. Why does he sink? He, oh, be, because he's afraid of the winds. No, that's not why either. No, he says. Um, it's there's a one he, word. He that saw says how exactly. str- he saw how strong the wind was. He what saw how strong the wind was. And if he saw how strong the wind was, what was he not seeing? Jesus. Right. He stopped looking at Jesus. He started looking at the storm. Right. And and he started. Oh, and because it's the of the saw that gets me. Right. And I'm not trying to read too much into it, over spiritualize it, but you know what I mean. No, no, he's the, looking at Jesus. And there's he's like, what's that words. over there? Oh my gosh. Right. He saw. He's looking around. And so when he saw and how he strong, and he sinks because he actually stopped looking at Jesus, and and this is and he looks at the terrifying things around him, all the threats, the potential threats, the wars, the rumors of wars, the things that could be really scary that might come and get him, instead of looking at Jesus. Right, and 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 I mean, it, it, isn't that interesting? It's it's interesting with Elijah. It's interesting with the Roman community. Yeah. It's like when we lose sight of who God is and including God in the midst of that. Now he finally he cries out, yeah, almost was, like Elijah in the cave. But, absolutely right. You know, explosion absolutely. versus implosion. <laughs> uh, Elijah <laughs> yeah. imploded. Yeah. You know, Peter exploded, which is just like Peter. 
and 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 uh, and Paul is just pleading with everybody to to consider something new. Right. He was willing to sacrifice himself entirely. Absolutely. And so that's where I, I look and say, wow, okay, well, gosh, if I'm supposed to learn something from this, A, I'm destroyed if I do not keep my eye on Jesus. I will sink into, uh, either either I will remain in the place of, of grumpy difficulty or I will, I won't get out of the boat. Because how easy is it for us to get, to remain in the boats of, of insanity? It's easy. The quiff of insanity. I, here's my only push on that. Yeah, and again, I, I don't I'm, know. I'm, probably, I'm, I'm just no, you're of, right. I'm you're just right. riffing, bro. And I'm going to riff on one more thing. Yeah, yeah. And this is my last thought. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm just. I'm literally just trying to hear this in light of my life and reflections and world. Um, and I keep getting hung up. And again, I don't know what Peter. Yeah, I, Peter's fine. Take Peter out. Well, don't take Peter out. But <laughs> okay. there's something that bothers me about him getting out of the boat and going to Jesus. You want to go to Jesus, obviously. Yeah, right. Jesus was coming to them. And if you're right, which I think you probably are, that they're all grumpy, they're mad, they're wet, they're smelly. It just, it's lousy. Peter probably wants more than anything else to get the heck out of there right. and go somewhere else with Jesus. And then what does Jesus do? Takes him back to the boat. Mm. Because it's the boat that needs saving. Yes. It's the boat that needs, it's yes. not me. I just got to get right. the heck out of here yes. to go be with Jesus. Yes. Fine, there's a, there's something to that that's good and true, but Jesus is going to take us back. That's where Elijah, you can't other the northern kingdom. You can't be like, these fools are all this way, and I will mock them. Paul is saying well, that to the Gentiles. You can't you can't be those, like, well, you're the, stuck in the boat with them. But well, this is what Paul's trying to say. He's saying, I would give everything for you. And yes. that's actually... It's, for it's, them to get pulled back into the boat that they've fallen out of and are sinking. Right. Well, this is the thing, is that Jesus goes directly... Too many, too many into boat the, metaphors there. There's... He, Jesus is going directly into the storm through yes. his cross and resurrection right. is it, like, this is the thing is that the winds are so strong because God, he was trying to demonstrate to Peter yeah. that if you're trying to get out of the boat, it's not because you're abandoning the boat, but because you're actually saying, I'm willing to give the fullness of my entire self in the midst of the entire storm for the sake of the boat, for the sake of the bark of Peter, as we would say, and in, in right. it, for the sake of the church. Yeah. And, and that's where Paul is saying, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And and that's yeah. where that's yeah. where Elijah d- was unwilling, and that's actually the the bonk that he had. Right, and yes. he he became. I, I think I am I alone. Think. I am the only one, and he got consumed with self pity and self. Right, not in a vision of is not in a vision right. of the fullness of Israel. Right, right, which is a hard thing to do when Israel feels out to get you. <laughs> right, which they do. They are which because and Jezebel really was going to kill him. Yeah. And Ahab wasn't going to do anything about it because he lost so, his his strength with her as soon as he took Nathan's plot next to the castle. And not to put too fine a point on it, but, you know, and I, I, I made it political and I brought up a certain person. I mean, to the degree that we as Catholics want to just be completely separated from people that we are, quite frankly, stuck with. I don't plan on jo- voting for Joe Biden in election, but I sure hope I can weep over what I feel like is a loss of my brotherhood with him in the Catholic faith. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Because we just want to get the heck out. Those people, those fools, he is a baptized Catholic. Think of all the baptized Catholics, not to mention all the rest of the baptized Christianity that we are stuck with, whether we like them or not. They are our brothers and sisters, and we should be praying and weeping over those who may be lost. Yes. And looking at the ways in which we're lost too. 
Yeah. And pray that they allow themselves to be stuck in the boat with us. And pray <laughs> that God speaks that still small voice so we can keep right. our eye on the prize. Right. I mean, they had to have some wherewithal to actually see quiet, peaceful Jesus in the midst of a massive storm, which tells me that they had some eyesight and some hearing, right, of something that was quiet. Yes. Which is significant, I think. I don't and, know how far away and that's And that's a great way to link the whole kit and caboodle back together. Thanks for be, hanging with us in this, because um, because we had to hang us within the boat because Elijah had the big storm and he oh. saw in it, oh. and then the disciples had the big storm I and they saw in it. I didn't think about and that. And then there Elijah. was the, the word "bid me come to you." Well and done. We have that. So you you wrapped well, it up without an idea. I didn't it. even realize it. Well yeah. done. Hey, that was that was <laughs> awesome. So you put a bow on it. Bow on the boat. Yeah. All right, God guys. Bless we'll you. see you next week. Okay. Thanks for hanging with us. Long podcast. <laughs> The Word on the Hill podcast is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash A-I-C-T, and you can find the Lanky Guys podcast at lankyguys.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next time.